So glad you guys are here. I, I hope you haven't missed the first couple of uh, locations. I mean, the first location, location. This is the second one today. And if you have, that's online available for you. Um, I wanted to celebrate. Uh, did our youth leave yet? Okay. Bye, youth. Have a good one. I see very young faces. Now I st- still see young faces. Don't worry. <laughs> They're just different young faces. <laughs> Uh, I just want to highlight one thing. Uh, the women had a Bible study. They've been going at 11 weeks, and that just finished off this week. And so I wanted to uh, totally thank uh, uh, Young Jin for uh, leading that and stepping out in faith and doing that. Um, that is so fantastic. So uh, that, that's going to come back in a little bit while. They'll, they'll take a break for a while. Uh, we're going to do a different uh, Bible study, uh, one that will be open to men and women uh, for about an eight-week study starting up in September. Um, and then, uh, so we'll kind of go back and forth between different kind of stuff. And as part of the small groups, uh, our uh, brother Matt Hagahara is leading the small groups. And so what a blessing also. Thank you, Matt, for uh, just really spearheading all that. And uh, uh, so really some fantastic kind of stuff coming out. I think that Bible study, we're going to look at uh, the book of Mark in eight weeks, so covering two chapters a week. And uh, I'll be able to host that at our, our house. Uh, so that's pretty exciting for us. Um, <clears throat> we've been talking about location, location, location last week. Uh, where do you choose to live? Because you get to choose. Last week we looked at how living in the past can cripple our present. It can rob us of our freedom. And it really does go against God's word that he is doing a new thing now. And today we're going to take another step together. And we're going to look at uh, the choices of where we're living today. In particular, are we living in the positive or are we living in the negative of life? So here's an appetizer verse, you know, uh, before we get to the main meal. Just want to really kind of frame where our thoughts are going to be just for a moment uh, as we search for the new right location in the positive or the negative. Uh, This comes from Thessalonians, and it says, Always be joyful. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in every circumstance. For this is God's will for you, for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So this is framing our thought work today. Always be joyful. Be thankful in all circumstances. Don't stop praying. That's God's will for us. You know, I have to confess, I am like uh, uh, Charles here. He's a SWAT member. He's fantastic at uh, shooting. And uh, he had some pictures of him on Facebook being upside down shooting off the Golden Gate Bridge or something. I'm not sure if that was Photoshopped maybe a little bit, but uh, he's a, a fantastic at his job. I am fantastic at noticing sin. I am like a sin swap member. I am so good at it. And when I first became a Christian, I was magnificent. This was my skill. If there was a ninja skill or a superpower, that's the one I had. I could see sin from like hundreds of yards away, when I, especially when I first became a Christian. Like I remember being, uh, when I first started uh, teaching and then being a pastor, I was like 22 years old, and I could hear someone say a bad word from 100 yards away. I remember being on one side of the church, and our camp- campus was big and way over there, and I couldn't probably hear them, but I saw their mouth say, vacuum, right? <laughs> and uh, so, you're working that out? Good job. <laughs> That's bad if you know what that is. So, uh, but I, I saw it. I distinctly remember like, like, how could I possibly know that some kid said vacuum from 100 yards away? But I was, I'm telling you, sin ninja. I could notice it. Like I noticed kids stealing soda because one had gotten one and I saw that when he refilled it, his friend drank some also. Stealing soda, those thieves. 
Like, I could even find stuff that's not sinful but bad, and I would notice that. Like, someone, I would see that they're going to their car instead of going to Bible study. Now, not going to Bible study is not a sin, but it's bad, right? And I could sense when I was praying, someone's eyes were open, and I would find them immediately. And I, don't, I could have my eyes closed, and then I know there's a student who doesn't jump, and I would find them, and then I would sweat them afterwards, right? Because you have to have your eyes closed when you pray. Otherwise, God can't hear you. Like, I'm so good, I can see pre-sin, like before they sin. Like, I'm good. Like, there was a time I was at a retreat, and uh, I was a junior high pastor, just had started as a junior high pastor, but I was at a youth retreat, and there was this guy, uh, you guys, some of you may know him, so I'm like, sorry, there's this guy named Robin Har, uh, if anyone knows Robin, uh, and he's a fantastic artist, and so the kids were kind of bored, it was lunchtime or something, and he was uh, drawing on someone's arm. Sin Ninja, remember. So I started yelling at Robin for drawing on someone's arm. Because I was like, Robin, how dare you draw on their arm? That certainly is going to be sin because what if that person starts to like that and then they go get a tattoo? But Pastor Sam, tattoos aren't. says, well, yes, but he's a young person. So what if because of that tattoo he joins a gang? And what if because he joins a gang, then he sins while he's in that gang, you see? So, Robin, you shouldn't be drawing on the arm of this person because of what in six insane steps might lead to some sort of sin sometime. I kid you not, I yelled at Robin. I don't, I've never talked to him since, so sorry, Robin, if you're online ever and see this. But I was fantastic at that. And uh, my uh, mentor pastor saw me and knew me and knew I was pretty good at this. And uh, we were about to take a prayer walk for like 20 minutes where the kids are supposed to be silent. Can you imagine how good I am at causing silence, right? Because I'm good at it. And then he came up and he said, uh, his name is uh, Dr. David Rim. Now is doctor. He wasn't then. He was just pastor. He said, wow, Sam, you're really good at noticing people's sin. And I was like, hell yeah, heck yeah, because I don't say hell then, right? Now I do, cause, <laughs> but then I said, heck yeah. And then it was, oh, time to prayer walk. So I'm prayer walking, and I'm thinking about it. And I think he may have been a Jedi, David Rem. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, I am good at sin. I'm good at noticing sin. I'm and about halfway up the mountain, I, I start crying because God really convicts me because all I notice about people is sin. All I ever see in Robin is something bad. All I ever see when I look at people is suspicion. All I ever see is like bad and negative, and, and that's kind of all I saw. And as I was walking up there, I was like, that wasn't a compliment. <laughs> and I, like, it took me like 10 minutes up this mountain to realize that wasn't a compliment. And God really convicted my heart because I was so busy noticing sin that I could never notice God. I never saw God in these young people. I never noticed how amazing and cool and and fantastic that artwork was. I didn't notice that he was just trying to encourage someone. It was probably a Bible verse. I didn't even know what he was writing. (laughs) It wasn't like a naked girl or something, right? It's something good. I mean, it wasn't bad. And I never noticed the good. And so uh, God started me on a journey from that point to really shift how I looked at the world. Now, this journey didn't happen instantly. Some stuff did in my life where I was able to give up things really quickly. This one didn't. This one took a long time. This one is in the same category of last time I told you 10 or 15 years it took to get rid of like uh, some of the uh, uh, past sort of habits that I had. This one was one that took a little while. 
It took about 10 or 15 years before I started to really be able to see people for the good that they had. 10 or 15 years before I could start living in the positive. And when I say living in the positive, it's not that I don't notice it anymore because I'm still really good at it, unfortunately. But I choose not to make that my number one priority. That's not my opening line to that person. That's not something that we're, you know, like that's where I'm consumed with. If I notice it, I put it away because now I want to see something good. And so living in the positive is not saying like, oh, I don't notice things like burying your head in the sand. That's not what I'm saying when I talk about living in the positive. I'm not saying like put on your earmuffs. No, I'm not listening. I don't see bad things. It's not that at all. It's like God does. God sees all our He knows our sins. But he chooses to see us for something different. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come and saved us, right? If all he saw was sin, then you wouldn't have had any value. But he was able to see past that and see something valuable. And so that's what I'm talking about, choosing where our mind dwells in life. Where are we going to put our mind? Is it going to be on things that are positive, or are we going to remain in the negative? Now, here's a really long passage, but this passage is the basis for living life in the positive. The basis for living life in the positive isn't just because like, hey, I want to be like that cheery guy. It's not that. The basis is because I have hope in God and I have love from Jesus Christ and I have the grace of God that comes to me. That's the basis for seeing life well. Check it out. How uh, This is a, a letter that was written to a church in Rome. And it was written to, by a guy named Paul uh, who was a former Pharisee. And he says, Therefore... Since we've been justified through faith, now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand in. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory even in suffering. Because I know that like suffering is going to produce perseverance, and personal perseverance will produce character, and character ultimately comes out as hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. You see, at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I mean, very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, and, and though for a good person, like, maybe somebody would die for them. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, since we've been justified by His blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Because if you think about it, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son... How much more, now that we've been reconciled, shall we be saved, shall we be freed through the life of His Son? Not only is this so, but we can also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. You see, here's the basis of it, guys. We're not, we're not positive and look at the world good because we're good or because we, hey, it's like cheery like that. It's because God came and saved us. He demonstrated what love looks like. He looked past our sins. When we were enemies, when we were saying, beat you, God, he came down and said, I love you. Remember when he was getting crucified? He's walking. They're dragging him up. He's been beat. He's bloody. He's the, the carrying the cross. is about to get nailed for all the sins of the world, all this physical punishment, all this kind of craziness. And what does he pray for the people? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Like, seriously? Someone, like, 
cuts me off in my car and I freak out. They had beat him and spit on him and like disrespected and hurt him. And he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God demonstrates love to us first. And once we have that, that hope, it, like, it doesn't matter. Even if like we saw in the past, if something bad happens, that's gonna, it's cool because it's going to produce per- perseverance, which will then bring me right back to hope. See, we can be positive because of our hope in the grace of God and the goodness of God, not because of just being happy. He is the hope that trumps darkness and defeat. Hope in Him is the basis for our positive outlook no matter the circumstances of our life. With hope, we are never overwhelmed by the circumstances of our life. Paul writes in Corinthians to them, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Now maybe we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. And we're struck down, but but we're not destroyed. No matter what happens in life, we have hope, so the negative will never swamp us. Maybe some of you wondered why I gave the Sunday message uh, the week after my father passed away. My father passed away on a Monday. And that Sunday, I came and shared God's Word with you. Why? Because... The negative of life and the circumstance of life don't swamp me because my hope is in God and my strength comes from Him in all circumstances. And I run towards God. When something tough happens to me, you guys, I run towards community and church and towards here. I couldn't wait to share God's Word with you. I couldn't wait to be with you because of my hope in God. Not because I'm strong or, or cool or didn't like my dad or have emotional issues. Those all may be true also, but, but that isn't why. It's because I have this hope that no matter what happens in life, life is not going to, circumstances aren't going to swamp me because my hope is in God. I can always see things well, even in darkness and difficulty. We can stay positive because we know that there is no circumstance that is too difficult for us. We, we, with hope, we're never overwhelmed by negative people. The psalmist writes this, Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me. And he set me free. The Lord's on my side. I'm not going to fear. What can people do to me? The Lord's on my side as my helper. Like I shall look on triumph in those who hate me. So maybe in life people may hate. Or they may be hurtful. But with God on our side, we can smile. and We cannot get caught up in their issues. In their negativity. This verse is saying, look, people are going to be hurtful. Maybe they'll be enemies, but it doesn't matter. God is on my side. I'm free. I don't have to get caught in that trap of negativity. Negativity, it's going to ruin relationships. And here's a word to us. This one's kind of about us negative people towards us. But I want to, I want to take a moment, just real talk it as a your shepherd and and someone who loves you very much. We need to be really careful that the negativity isn't coming from us. And I think we need to be really careful as Christians because one of the big turnoffs of Christianity is actual Christians. And so I think that we need to really make sure that we're not on the wrong side of this, that we're not the enemies that someone's praying against, right? One problem is... um, I think when we constantly look other, at other people to see what they aren't doing right. 
Maybe we look around at our friends here and we're like, oh, that girl didn't sign up for the service teams. I saw her. I didn't see her name. Ooh, that guy's not at the Jericho Roadmaps. Or, ooh, they didn't come early enough. When we start to look at other people, when we start to say that about them, that's when we're on the wrong side of this. We're not seeing them for the great things. Now, if, if they've done something hurtful or you think is wrong, then go up in love and talk to them. That's fantastic. When you share truth in love, but only share truth in love. Don't share truth if you don't have love. Hold it to yourself. But we've got to be careful not to be on the wrong side where we're saying, look at those people, what they're not doing right. Or look at that person, they're doing something that I don't like or I don't agree with, just personally. And so just be really careful that we don't get on that side of it. Because this is a trap from the enemy. It's an absolute trap. His desire, the enemy's desire, is to destroy unity. We see in the Bible all the time, unity, unity, unity. So his desire is to destroy unity, to split friendships, to split up relationships, to split churches. And this is how he does it. When we look for the faults of other people, when we look for the wrongs of other people, when we look for the things that we disagree with, with other people, rather than looking at goodness in other people, rather than looking for the things that we strongly agree together with, rather than looking at people with grace-filled eyes, we look at them like, "Mm, mm, 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 mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. That's exactly what the devil wants because that's how churches divide. The moment we start saying, oh, look at this person, that, and we're not giving them grace-filled eyes. Man, maybe they messed up, but I'm sure they could use some forgiveness and some love and some understanding because life is messy and it's difficult and it gets ugly and we screw up. And we screw up a lot. And sometimes we screw up for 10 or 15 years and it takes a long time. And I really would appreciate if someone could extend me grace rather than the first time I make a mistake as a pastor. <laughs> They're like, oh, I knew it. God was no good. Sure, <laughs> That's, that's how things split. That's not how we create unity. We must avoid that type of thing if we want to flourish in the way that God wants us to flourish. Not overwhelmed by negative people and certainly not becoming negative people as we join in community together. With hope, we could stay positive in the middle of any situation. There's this cool passage again back in Romans that says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So I know that in every situation, God can and will bring good if I am willing. We can always find the negative in any situation if you're looking for it. I guarantee you in any sermon that I ever give that you listen to, And if you try to find something negative to say about it, you'll be able to find something negative. I am not perfect. I never claim to be. And I I am not the Word of God. The Word of God is the Word of God. And if you're looking at a sermon negatively and you're trying to find that, you'll absolutely find it. But if you're looking with an open heart to say, God, speak to me through this. Do something supernatural, even in, in the broken words of a broken man then God absolutely will do that. You see, we always will find what we're looking for. If we're looking for the negative, we're going to find it. If we listen to that exact same sermon, but we're looking with open hearts and open eyes, then God does this supernatural, powerful work, even in like messed up speakers, even in, in broken people. I make no claim to perfection. I know, make no claim to have mastered how to tell you the Bible rightly. 
If we do it at work meeting and you go into a work meeting and you're expecting the negative, how's that meeting go? You can always find some reason to hate your boss, right? <laughs> you can always find, look how they didn't start on time. They went too long. This is boring. The PowerPoint's not working. There's always something in every meeting that you go to at work that you can find negative if that's what you're looking for. At home with your spouse, <laughs> if you're looking for the negative, you'll find it. Have you ever been in a fight with your spouse? And uh, then they're trying to be cool, like I could tell my wife's trying to like get over it kind of and be nice. And she says something nice to me, but I'm mad. So even when she says something nice to me, I take it negatively. Oh, you think I'm smart. <laughs> Sarcasm. She's like, no, it wasn't. So I just said, baby, you're smart. Oh, yeah? Oh, you think it's funny now, huh? Like, and so like, you know, have you ever noticed that? Like, it's so weird that they could say something totally nice and then you're like mad at it, right? Like, Baby, you're so good looking. What? You don't get to say that to me right now. You know, like whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry. Like, so when we're looking for the negative, we can always find it. In our friendships or at school, you look for the negative, you get it. If we've chosen ahead of time that we're going to ignore the good, then of course we're never going to see it even when it's right in front of us. If we choose to dwell on the negative, then nothing and no one will ever be able to change our mind and heart. Now watch this. You will even block out the good that comes from God. Isn't this crazy that God gives us enough free will that we can say no to Him? We can harden our own hearts to the goodness of God. We know this is true. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, of the, uh, you remember Moses and the Pharaoh? God says, I love these people and I want to free them. I want to I let them live a joyful, free life. And I am so good to them. You know what the Pharaoh says? Heck no. And he hardens his heart even though God's trying to be loving to a certain people. Now, what if, God had, what if the Pharaoh had just said, God, that's so cool. Let's let him go free, and would you still bless my country? God would be like, yes, I will. And they would have a blessed country. But he chose to harden his heart, and he blocks off the work of God, and we absolutely can do the same. If, if we've started to do it in life, in relationships, and, and that's all we're seeing, then we come to church and we start to look for negative things, and then you're going to block off the work that God wants to do in your heart today. It is available, it's possible, and you can do it. And I know people who have. They know about God, they know all about Him, and they've decided, you know what, forget God. And they harden their hearts against Him. And then no matter what goodness they see, they'll never see good things. No matter how many missionaries go share the love and even die for it, they say, oh, that's not real. Think about the, the crusades, how bad that was. They'll always find something negative to say. So this morning's verses help us realize that through Jesus there's no reason to choose to live in the negative. There's no person, no circumstance, no situation that would be too great for us to handle through the power and the hope of Jesus Christ. Because we know in all situations, God's work, God works together for good. So because of that, we can choose to live in the positive. But how do we really do that? I mean, how do I stay in the positive? I, again, I said it's not ignoring the negative, but it's choosing to dwell on the positives of the Lord. And I'm not talking about getting up in the morning and saying, you are a good guy and God loves you, you know, like in the mirror. It's not talking to yourself. It's not self-talk. But it's deciding where we're going to place our minds. I have a a couple of just tips for us. If you're going to choose to stay positive and you want to look at the world well, then here's a couple of things that you may want to try. The first is that you may want to remember everything that God has done and all that he's going to do today. We talked about last week about living in the present. 
but being reminded every single morning that this is a brand new morning. There's this cool psalm that says this. This is the the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. And that's in the ESV, which is a really unfun version, right? So even if they have that, this isn't the living translation or the message. This is ESV saying that. That's what the Bible says, right? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And you get up in the morning, you say, God, you made this day. There is something that you want in this present today and you want me to experience. God, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in this day that you made. Whether that's like, I don't know what you do first, turn on your phone, check your Facebook, whatever you do. The first thing I do when I get in the, I don't do anything, I get up, go in the shower. And the first thing I start to do is I pray to God, God, this is going to be a great day. Now, I haven't always prayed this, but this is where I've been in the last few years. I get in the shower and say, God, I want to meet you. God, I'm going to look for something good today. And it doesn't always have those words. Sometimes it's, oh, God, thank you for a shower, you know. And, uh, but starting out to really look at our day that way. Get up in the morning reminding ourselves of God's goodness. I mean, that's going to keep us in the positive. We start our morning off right. This is the day that he has provided full and amazing opportunities. Are you looking for that in your day? Or are you going to work expecting that it's going to suck? Are you going to, you know, talk to your kids expecting they're going to be rude or because they're teenagers, right? Are you going to life already in the negative from the morning? Are you up saying, like, God, this is a day. Let's rejoice in it. Let's be glad for it. It's a brand new day. I'm going to live in the present. I'm going to see what experiences you have for me because I think it's going to be awesome. Do we live in anticipation in the positive? Or do you already set yourself up for failure by saying, this day is going to suck. I have this stupid meeting with my stupid boss at my stupid work. Well, gosh, of course it's going to suck. It's a stupid meeting, a stupid boss, and stupid work. It can't be good. And no one or nothing can change that, even if they have free donuts. Well, maybe if they're good Krispy Kreme donuts, then it's like, okay, I'll take one away. It's just two negatives, right? <laughs> Let's rejoice and be glad in it. I mean, that verse sounds pretty positive to me. I'm, I'm, I am a Bible scholar, and it does. So this is the first thing. Just prepare your, your mind ahead of time. And the second is uh, guard your mind, since we're talking about minds. Set your mind on things above. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures kind of quickly here. Colossians says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on those kind of things that are above, not on the things that are just of this earth. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Get in the habit of looking for God things, not world things. Getting in the habit of looking at the, the world the way that God does, not looking at it the way your boss or your mom or your dad did. And maybe they were godly Christians. I'm not saying they're not. But getting in the habit of saying, like, I'm going to place my mind where God dwells. I'm not going to place my mind on what's happening in my day-to-day the way that the world would see it. I'm going to see the world different. We get to decide the location of our thoughts. We get to decide where our mind is going to dwell. Don't copy the behavior. This is in Romans. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you're going to learn how uh, to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Following God and praying and reading the the word, that's going to change the way you think. God the Spirit will transform you if you're open to Him. It may take a while, and that's okay. For me, it took 10 or 15 years. I pray all the time. People would ask what your prayer request is. My prayer request is that God would take away this anger 
that I had inside. This bitterness and rage. And I would pray it every single, like every time we had group meeting, that was my prayer request. And so at some point it probably seemed like it was fake, right? Because that's what he keeps saying, like, pray more, right? <laughs> but that really was my biggest issue and struggle. And for about 10 or 15 years, I was praying it, I was praying it, I was praying it. And then one day, I didn't even realize it wasn't like one particular day. Then, then one time period in my life, all of a sudden I woke up and I realized that I'm not angry anymore. And I don't hate people. And I actually love them. And I, and I actually want to know them, and I want to encourage them, and I want to see them well, and I don't want to see them hurt, and I don't want to notice the bad things. It's okay to notice to help, but I, I'm not going to hold that against them. And I woke up one day, and then all of a sudden I realized I don't have to make that prayer anymore. That's not my prayer anymore, to be, to be freed from anger and rage, because God absolutely has freed me. And it took a few years. It wasn't instant. I'm not saying that. But I want to see the best in people. I want to see people living well. I look at the positive. Another verse here, Philippians. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, if it's just and pure and lovely and commendable, if there's like any excellent things, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about that stuff. What you've learned and what you've received and what you've heard and seen in me, practice these things and God's peace will be with you. Mind your mind. Fill your mind with amazing things, with godly things, with good things. If you fill yourself so much up with this stuff, there's no space for the other things. If you're so full of God's thoughts and amazing thoughts and these kinds, like there's a lot of things that are lovely and excellent and worthy and commendable and, and amazing and pure, and I'm putting my thought always on those, and I'm choosing where my mind dwells because this is about location, location. Where are you going to live your life? and I choose to let my life and my mind dwell here, this is where I'm living, then out of that flows positive stuff, not negative stuff. Out of those good things doesn't come. And there's no room for the other kind of stuff because I'm full with God's things, filling my mind. So remembering, guarding our mind, and then the, second is, uh, the third is guarding our heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything flows from it. Above everything else, guard your heart. Now, now heart is not your place of emotions. Now, it is in American culture, uh, but it's not in, in Greek writing. In Greek writing, your heart is your command center. Your bowels are your emotion. Like, ooh, I get all tingly when I meet that girl. In your bowels. And that's probably where we feel it too, right? So in, in Greek, bowels is your emotion. Your mind is your thinking place. Your heart is where you take those two things, and then you make decisions. So the heart is like the command center to the decision maker of a human being uh, from Greek thought. So when we see heart, that's what they're talking about. And it says here, if your heart is corrupted, and you've got to watch out. You've got to guard your heart because out of that decision making, that's where everything flows. That's what you decide to do. That's how you decide to live. That's how you interact and react to people. That's how you, how you go about your work. That's how you make decisions with your kids and with your spouse and with your friends. That's how you decide what movies you watch and what you intake and, and whether you're going to read your Bible or not. It, it, that's your command center. And you've got to guard that place. My heart breaks for people who have allowed negative, hurtful spite to enter into their command center because what's going to come out of there? Only things that are dark negative. We must allow love and goodness and joy to flow into our hearts first in our command center and then out of us. If we, have, if we want to have any chance of winning this world for Christ, we can't allow Christians to be the problem. 
And so out of the flow of our command center has to be God things. Guard your heart by being thankful. And the Bible's pretty clear about this, and there's a lot of good studies about people who are thankful, even non-Christians. Give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Ephesians says. Cultivating a heart of thankfulness guards against the negative. Guard your heart by avoiding people who are toxic for you. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he quotes this uh, Greek uh, poet named Menander. And he said, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. The Bible tells us to avoid the toxic, avoid the negative. Do you allow toxic relationships in your life? I mean, do you allow people to say harmful words or do harmful actions and you don't address it in love to them? You don't distance or separate yourself from them? Are you caught up in people that are negative all the time? Guess what's going to happen to you? Bad company corrupts good morals all the time. The Bible commands us to love all people, even our enemies. But loving them doesn't mean that we have to allow them to hurt us or doesn't mean that we allow them to say things that are negative to us or hurtful or harmful to us. There are some people in my life that I just have to avoid because they they don't build up my soul. I love them. There's some people I've had been friends for years and years that I only can see once or twice a year because they're they're too much. They they always have something mean to say. They think it's funny, and they always pull me down. And there's these people I have to avoid, and I love them in the Lord. I know they die for me. I know they love me, but I just avoid them because they cause too much negativity in me from their own negativity. I get home, and I'm angry to my wife because I've just got dumped on by my friend for the last three hours. And so i got to kind of avoid those people. It's okay. Loving them doesn't mean you're allowing it. It doesn't mean we allow our friends to drag us down. Sometimes we have to make hard choices in life, and it's weird because as we grow in spirituality, maybe the people that were our close friends, maybe they can't be anymore. As we take the next step, if they're not willing to come with us into this next step, maybe sometimes it's a hard choice. We're saying, like, friend, I love you, but I can't meet you each week or each month anymore because you're just not good for my soul. Choose godly, uplifting people, the poor in your life. Remember, there's that statistics about think of your five friends and you're the average of them. So if you have some lowbrow friends and that's who you're hanging out with, that's where you're going to be. But if you've chosen to hang around on purpose, people who are amazing and who love God and who are like trying to see people well and share the gospel through their life and through the light that's in them, then you're going to be the average of that five-person group. But God wants us to live in the positive, not in the negative. It's quite clear from the Scripture. I don't know if you can read the Scripture and see it any differently than that. The negative will destroy our soul. It will destroy our vitality. It will destroy our love for life. It will destroy our witness to other people. It will dim the light of Christ in us. That's what negativity does. But the good news is there's an alternative. Because of Jesus Christ, we are free to walk in the positive. Because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, we are free to bless others and to, to, to leave the judgment to God, not to be the judge, to just be the persons that love them and to speak the truth sometimes in love. God's freed us to do that, to see people well because of our amazing God. As the praise team comes up and joins me, I'd like to invite each of us to consider that God wants you and I to love. God wants you and I to be full of joy.
when he called us to be his children, that isn't a death sentence. It's not a negative sentence. That's a powerful, really cool, joyful thing. God wants to have you at peace and full of goodness and light. God has so much planned for you. It would be a tragedy if you missed it because you decided to dwell in the negative. Would that be a waste of life that God says, I have all this plan for you? And we fold our arms and we say, no, that's stupid. I'm not available. That would suck that God has this powerful thing planned tomorrow and today and you miss it. And I miss it because I've placed my mind in the wrong place. Would you join me in talking to God about this? Father, I want to place my mind right. I know it's a choice. It's amazing you give me a choice. I almost wish, God, you'd just force me to do stuff. But then, I guess the love wouldn't be genuine. So outside of that, I ask for your Holy Spirit's power and help for me to see people well, to just rejoice in the day that you have made and to find full joy to be poured out in a powerful way toward you, God. And I pray that for my friends here. If any of us have been hurt or dwelling in the negative or not seeing the good of today or, or maybe we know we're caught up in some things we shouldn't be, God, I pray you'd free them right now by the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that your freedom would come upon them, that they would find hope and goodness in you and you alone, and they would find it right now. Would you join me in crying out whatever you need to cry out to God, and then we'll respond in song to Him.